0: Seven, six, five, four, three, two,
1: one. Hey guys, this is Liz Canbay. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Carson. Hey, this is Marney Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Welcome back. WNBA Nation listeners, it is so good to have you uh, aboard. This is actually the first episode uh in the last few that you'll hear it come out pretty well right after we record it. <laughs> My name's Kyle Haywood, and I am joined tonight by Steve Schwartzman. How's it going, Steve?
0: Woo! I am good. And we're, <laughs> we're back. W ball is being played again. Yes. It's like when you like you're the first person in your apartment to come back for the next like spring semester after a break <laughs> and then all your roommates start coming back like one by one over a course of a couple days and it's just like oh we're back in the groove yeah like we're doing this
1: <laughs> we got the crew back together all right let's do it <laughs> it's been it's been a blast over this olympic break to be able to do some extra stuff. We've been doing some live watch alongs on our Twitch with a lot of the team USA Olympic games. And so that was a lot of fun to do those. And then we did four episodes of mid season grades for each of the teams, as well as a mid season awards episode that we did early on. And so, Those were kind of recorded as we had time to do those. And then we just released those here as a lead up into the Commissioner's Cup that just finished literally minutes ago. And here we are recording this episode live right afterward here on our Twitch stream. Shout out to all of our Twitch peeps hanging out with us here tonight. Uh, You have two opportunities to have your takes heard live on our show. One is to be a a part of our Twitch chat over at twitch.tv slash WNBA nation. And the other way is by giving us five star reviews. And so you've heard a couple of those on our last few episodes as well. So that's, that's the best way to get a shout out on the show is, is one of those two, uh, one of those two ways. Um, but before we get started into our actual discussion, Steve, what are some other ways for people to interact with us and have connections with the show?
0: absolutely let's hit that gauntlet uh, we are at WNBA Nation pod on Twitter uh, likewise over at Facebook you could use that your link to find our page or just search us in Facebook we'll pop up pretty quickly you of course can find the show anywhere that your pods are captured can be found uh, namely over on Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify all the goodness if you are listening to a platform that has a review system especially Apple Podcasts we'd love a five star review And a comment, let us know what you love about the show. Uh, That's always helpful for us. If you want to check out some merch, head over to our store MB page. We have those linked in the episodes. And I was going to say on our website, but that's for a future time. That's a spoiler. Um, (laughs) That's that's upcoming. But, uh, yeah, that's... That's where you can find us. Of course, if you are listening to this on the pod feed note, you can always check us out live on the Twitch where we record these. You'll get some extra fun content, be a part of the discussion. We absolutely love our Twitch family and getting a chance to hang out with them. They've been just fantastic to, to join in with us and we'd love to have you there. Stay close to the Twitter. Usually when we record those, we send out those links and that's where those come from, but also give us a follow and a subscription as well, especially If you're an Amazon Prime user, um, you can actually use your Prime subscription uh, to subscribe to one Twitch channel a month. And if you choose to do that with a Twitch page, uh, we actually get a kickback for that without you actually having to pay anything our way. So, you know, we love any support that you're there to give, whether it's through store you're paying for a subscription on Twitch or whatever it be. But if you have Prime and you use that subscription, that still helps us. Uh, It doesn't cost much for you. Uh, You do need to... Renew that every month. So keep an eye on that as a new month comes right around now, actually, or when a lot of them are coming in. Make sure that you re-up, I guess is the best word I could say. Just <laughs> make sure you click that button to get it all set up. It's a pretty easy process, especially if you use Twitch on your phone. Uh, and I think that's the gauntlet. That's where you can find us. We're all over the place, and we're going to be kind of in more places uh
1: soon, as yeah. you'll, you'll hear. So, Well, we actually... Our, uh I, I think this is probably we we mentioned it prior on a on a earlier episode but yeah. it was kind of an olympics episode we can we can drop some of that news again today steve and, we, and let people know that uh be a fish of fish here yes I'm let's let's about officially this. official a bit about I love it, it yeah, yeah. We are officially part of Blue Wire Pods. They are an awesome organization and podcast network that is focused primarily on sports podcasts, and we have joined the ranks of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Honestly, from the get-go, every interaction that we've had with them and the discussions that we've had with them over the last little while as we've kind of been setting up joining this network, it's been nothing but fantastic. So huge shout out to them. hmm There's several other podcasts that are a part of that network that many of you probably have an interest in. The Burn It All Down podcast. There's another podcast with Lisa Leslie and Shanae Agumake. Front and center. Yeah, it's it's great show. It's fantastic. Yeah. So some great podcasts there that deserve your attention, as well as others that cover everything from Premier League uh, Premier League football to American football to you know NBA basketball, all across the board. Yep. And we're we just feel really lucky to be a part of that. And it's and so if you notice ads popping in or you notice their little logo popping into uh, our logo as well, now you know why.
0: Yeah. I think the most well-known shout out we could give is a touch more, the Sue and, and Meg Rapino yes. pod, podcast. They're, uh, it's really their IG live interviews. But the audio, uh, <laughs> if you follow the audio for the podcast, those technically do run through uh, as, as a Blue Wire partnership as well. So we're very excited to be joining the Blue Wire family. They've been very good to us. And if there's one thing that I can say about our experiences with them, one thing that was extremely important to us was do you, their, how much value they are putting in women's sports. Because we know the pod industry fairly well. We've been around even outside of the show for a while And a lot of networks, if I'm being honest, Mm -hmm. may sometimes have one or two women's sports shows throughout their network. Almost as like, here's your token women's show. Right. Uh, So we show that we have representation. But the amount of quality women's sports programming that they've added to their network and the billing that they seem to be giving it showing that they really want to to help it become top of card billing and and get the time and the support that they need. They've obviously pulled in some fantastic names. Like we said, with Lisa and Shanae. obviously Megan and Sue, the burn it down podcast is one of the best women's sports podcasts in general. There's just a lot of great and fantastic stuff. So definitely a great place to link to. If you're just looking for somewhere to explore other shows to be checking out. If you're just a fan, Oh, the Spincers pod too. I just remembered that one as well. Yeah. Spincers is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great pod. So yeah, like I said, it just continues to grow and we were excited to be a part of that. It was really cool opportunity. Um, what does that mean necessarily for you as the listener? How does that change? Really? Not much. Uh, not much is really going to change for you. I think our, our feed for getting to you as a podcast won't change. We're still able to utilize our Twitch as much as possible. You may hear some additional advertising space throughout the show. That'll be dropped in. But other than that, the experience is here for you. We're still able to provide free and quality content to you as frequently as we can. So we're just, we're excited to try out a new venture and. We'll, we'll see where the journey heads for us. But I'm excited to finally be talking stuff. If you were wondering, we we had yeah. a little lapse <laughs> in programming where the pod feed wasn't showing new episodes for a while. And if you're curious, that's sort of that's part of why
1: that's but, that's kind of why. Yeah, we were we were making a transition yeah, so we ha- we weren't uploading episodes. So we were recording episodes knowing and that's where those mid-season grade episodes. If you haven't listened to those by the way, go back our last couple episodes, the last four episodes are mid-season grades for each of the 12 teams in the WNBA. It was an absolute blast making those episodes, but we were recording those and then not releasing them because we were transitioning into being a part of this network. And so mm-hmm. uh, if you notice that lapse, that's the reason why. And you shouldn't see any other issues like mm-hmm. that now that we're officially back in. And you should see yeah. just regular content from us moving forward.
0: Which, by the way, uh, if you are connected with us on the Twitch, you did get those episodes. That's true. Significantly quicker than those on the pod feed. so
1: <laughs> Much earlier.
0: <laughs> definitely another reason is uh, you'll get ahead of the game on on content and get some behind-the-scenes fun. And you'll get to hear us talk about very interesting, you know, I'll just jump in and be like, what's your favorite gum? And we'll talk about gum for a while. And, you know, <laughs> that may not sound interesting as I say it in my head. I was like, that could be interesting. And then I say it out loud and it doesn't. But it really could be. You never know.
1: Spearmint 5. Five brand Spearmint.
0: Spearmint 5. You're dropping everything. Yeah. I got it right here. Try it. Try <laughs> it. White peppermint hey. is my
1: go-to. Trident, Peppermint, White. I like that. I'm a capsule guy. I like some crunch at the start. It's a good call. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Steve, we had some actual WNBA action. Holy crap, we did. Taking place earlier tonight, and it was a fantastic... Presentation and actually a, a great kind of a, a rollout for this Commissioner's Cup, not without its its uh you know quirks and different things and mm-hmm. and there's a couple areas that I know there was some criticism, both actually in our Twitch chat as well as on Twitter. But I just want to just kind of broadly broadly just ask your initial takes, your initial uh, reaction to the Commissioner's Cup as it played out earlier tonight.
0: If I'm being honest, I, I I may have bumped the grade up a grade and a half or so. After the last day or so, there's been a little bit more buzz. There was some weight carried. I think commentary really tried to make, the, make it feel like an occasion. In general, it still felt kind of lukewarm, if I'm being completely honest. I don't know that it sold as an event, which is why if there's one thing I would immediately change about the Commissioner's Cup... I would, and definitely the way they set it up this year makes a lot of sense because the convenience of it all made sense. Right. But it's one of those right. things where we had all these games that were commissioners cup sanctioned and we had a five week break. And here's the final. It very much felt like if you have a team that's in like a New Year's six bowl in, in college football. Yeah. You finish
1: your season and then you got to wait and you've
0: got to wait five weeks until you watch this game. And and it makes it tough sometimes to keep that buzz going. I really think they should try and have the commissioners cup done and dusted. I'd even say within the first month of play, really make it its own succinct event as much as possible. Like, I would love to have a knockout tournament. That's just me. But I understand why they're doing that. And I would try to pack the schedule a little more with those games early on so that we can kind of, even if it's, you know, maybe make it less than 10 games if you have to. Like, I yeah. I kind of think it'd be fun if you have a final four-level event. I think that's another thing, is having the championship game was cool, but I, I, I sort of love the idea of you maybe cut it to eight games or something to that effect, and then... And I understand why they did it this way, because the conferencing and whatnot. But let's be honest. This is the only thing currently in the league that has any bearing of what the conferences are. So you can break that mold very easily. But I would almost say you can have a group A and a group B. You have a certain number of games, and then I'd say take two out of each group and have... You can even have four groups if you want, the winner of each group. A little Final Four knockout. Yeah, has a Final Four knockout set up. And then you really get to turn it into like a weekend, into an event. And I think that would make it a lot more fun. Go so like a
1: Friday to Sunday or like yeah. a Saturday to Monday or something like that. I like that idea.
0: Something that allows for a build up and allows for a crowd to really be a part of it because it... I just think if you can try and get the event a little more done and dusted early on in the season, it becomes the thing that generates buzz for the rest of the year. It almost right. becomes the way of like, you use the commissioner's cup to get a radar for how good are these teams? Like who's really going to come out on top the season? And it really gives you a good radar that way. Whereas right now we took up more than half the season on it. And it just felt like it didn't quite have, it's weird to me that the aces are the second best team in the league based on the standings, but they have no bearing in the commissioner's cup discussion because there's just these two teams. But like by now we're so focused, the all-star games done and dusted. We're focused on the standings. We're focused on who's going to the playoffs. You could kind of see it on the storm team. When the game went zeros, there wasn't really a celebration. There wasn't fanfare. They put on the hats and they grouped together and they held up the trophy. And that was kind of it. I think if you find a way to get it wrapped up within the first one to two months, maybe the first six weeks
1: or so. Yeah. Six weeks, I think sounds like a really good sweet spot actually.
0: Yeah. You're able to set it up. Yeah. I think you're able to set it up to where it really feels like something that is pretty cool and something that matters. And then you just open up the rest of the year to be about the season. And that's, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but that's probably my biggest issue with it. The way they stretched it out, made it so it was very difficult to promote. And it came to the point where like the reason, I feel like the reason a lot of us celebrated the commissioners cup today was because it was the return of the season. It almost, to me, it was nice having W back. It it almost like the fact that it was commissioners cup game almost was secondary.
1: Whereas in, in normal, normal situations, you might have like an all star break, but that's going to be pretty minimal. So other Mm -hmm. than Olympics yeah, like uh, there's not a huge break. There's not a huge break and it didn't feel like this huge return. So it would be interesting to see how they build that moving forward. I So one other, one other thought that I, I had with this was there's a balance that the WNBA has to pull right now. And I do feel like Kathy Engelbert is doing a really, really good job of this. I, f- I feel like maybe commissioners in the league in the past have done one or the other. Well, and, and I feel like Kathy's doing a great job of, of trying to find this balance of, Trying to yes, we need the revenue because we got to take care of our our new mm-hmm. and improved CBA, but also we need to make sure the eyes are on the product, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a balance. You do need to get some revenue, or else you're just going to be toast in a in within a couple seasons. Yeah, I think I think I know where you're going with this. But Amazon Prime, I I don't know. I actually would love to see what the numbers are as mm-hmm. far as viewers on Amazon Prime versus viewers on say. Like an ESPN two, or I mean, obviously this is the kind of game that you'd love to get on an ABC. Yeah. But you know, especially post Olympics and things like that, why not try and and, and snag something like that? Yeah. So I wonder what the payout came was from Amazon Prime, and if that was an early decision, you know, and it's like, well, we weren't sure what this was going to be, and obviously. After the results of today, I don't I don't know if this is a multi year deal that they have with Amazon Prime, but I would be interested to see what what numbers were pulled and and what the reaction is, and if they can leverage that into not only getting eyes on on the product, but also you know getting some some monetary compensation because it's a half a million dollar prize pool that they're that they're selling out here. So I I understand that criticism for a lot of people that are like I don't have Amazon Prime and I didn't do you know. Yeah. So I, I, I totally understand that um mm-hmm. as a criticism. So
0: I I see where they're going with it. My thing is this is the difficulty of pushing something that stands as an event. I feel like you know, one thing that the NWSL did in 2020 was they had their opening game on a network to get the buzz and then push people over to the CBS Sports app, or now it's Paramount Plus, I guess. Right. And then it drove to having a final um, on network TV as well, which this year, I believe the the uh, Challenge Cup final was on CBS. like they, It really was a big deal that they got it on top billing. You've already been able to get WNBA events on ABC, but like you have a lot of open range to try other things out. You could get it on Fox. You could get it on TNT, maybe. like There's a lot of cases where I think... This needed to be on a network in front of people to truly show that it matters because the, the truth of it is, right? Streaming apps are made for intentional viewing. It's not a similar situation of, Oh, try this out.
1: Nobody was sitting at home today and accidentally saw this. Oh, what's on my prime? Yeah. Like it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's a
0: harder note now. So you're pulling in the diehards. I would expect the numbers to be pretty strong. I wouldn't be shocked if this might be. One of the better viewed things Amazon Prime has,
1: right? Because it probably wasn't just Seattle and Connecticut fans; it was probably a lot of just WNBA fans in yeah. general watching this one.
0: But if you get this as ESPN's billing, and honestly, how couldn't you? What else was going on outside of the right the White Sox and the Yankees playing on a fake field of dreams? Um, what else <laughs> was really going on to stand out that much that you could have put this on on easy billing? And I think you've drawn a lot of diehards and you build the note for this this commissioner's cup mattering. And, and it, you know, I have one other take on the overall experience and I have a hard time with it because I know it's very important, especially to the players. And so I'm really torn on it because obviously the cash prize matters hugely for the players. They were talking on the broadcast about how some of these players are going to be equaling their actual salaries with the prize money they get. So, there's no question that this is important. It's one of those things that as a as a fairweather viewer or a casual viewer, it's really hard for a casual viewer to go, "Why should that matter to me?" You know, like mm-hmm. you get a cash prize like, "Why is why is that in it for me?" And I think about it, we're like any sport that I've watched when that's become like a big marketed thing. It's like, well, why does that, yeah, what do we care? Yeah. What's significant about that for, for myself. Right. And so they still desperately need to figure out what is the basketball level incentive for this commissioner's cup that adds that fuel. The cash prize still is hugely important, but of course in this situation, it felt like the thing. And right. it, for a casual audience, that's hard to push to of like, okay. Why should it matter to me? Like, and, and it's hard for me to say that because, Steve, it does matter to me. I think it's a huge thing that this is happening for them. I just think about it in terms of growing this as something that has importance. It has to be about the game in itself and where does that stand? So it's just a hard... It's a hard nut to crack. I would imagine improvements are going to be made on it. I think enough positives came out of it that they know they have something. And I just hope that it it's wearing different clothes than it was wearing this year when we see it again in 2022.
1: Let's transition into the actual game itself, because if yeah. there weren't a ton of eyes on this, and I think there were a decent amount that hopped into Amazon prime, but we even have had some people hit us up on Twitter and on Twitch that are like, Hey, I actually can't see the game because I don't have it. Yeah. So I know that there were some people that missed it that would have seen it otherwise.
0: I said one more fast thing, and this is very fast because we already talked about it pre record. Had I have known via the promo photos that the trophy was going to be rose gold, I would have been much, I would have been on board been on board much quicker.
1: <laughs> yeah, the trophy is a lot better now than we thought. It's a very cool <laughs> trophy.
0: It's a very unique trophy in rose gold. I thought that was awesome. So on an aesthetic standpoint, that was cool. Also, I very much appreciate that the WNBA has found a way to essentially break even, if not more so on the bubble court. Cause now it's just like, well, we'll use this for the all-star game. We'll use it for the commissioners. Like it should become like <laughs> the de facto court that now was just used. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just always there. <laughs> anyway. Um, no. Well, so speaking of, of viewers and let's say that there weren't as many viewers able to see this one, but they learned a lot and maybe they'll get more mm-hmm. viewers on the next one. I'm actually okay with new, like potential new WNBA fans. Maybe this wasn't the best introduction to WNBA basketball. If you're like, oh, these two teams, you know, are kind of the two top teams from the beginning of the season. And it was such a blowout. And to be honest, the second half entirely was kind of a snoozer. It was extremely hard to watch. Like, it wasn't, it was not that fun to watch. Unless you're a diehard Seattle fan that you were just like, oh, you just love watching your team dominate. This It wasn't a fun game. It was sloppy, and it wasn't just sloppy from Connecticut. Seattle actually had if, their fair share of mm-hmm. sloppy play as well. They just happened to put the ball in the basket a whole lot more than Connecticut did. If you are new to the league and, and it's turned you to
0: this podcast, welcome. We love to have you here, and we hope you can see a fan of the league. The league's great. It's important for you to know one thing very soundly, and that is that Connecticut does not very often shoot 33% from the field that is not a commonality for the sun. They're actually much more efficient than that. And I think it speaks to, there were two narratives that we were, everyone knew coming into this game and we were curious which one was going to win over. And it's, you have an extremely well-rested sun roster and a bit of an overworked storm roster because they had five and what should have been six Olympic, uh, Olympic players. And so and Connecticut, Essentially, you know, no. Nope, I mean, basically, no one. When you look at it, like, not really anybody. Yeah, yeah. So it was: is the rest going to win out? Is the experience going to win out? Is, are, is Connecticut going to be rusty or Seattle going to be too tired? And Seattle's narrative won out. It, it was very much like muscle memory was the MVP of this game in a way. Of like, they just were able to make that work, and Connecticut had to get those gears uh, greased. When you watch the sun even in their next matchup, or at the very least next week's string of games that they're probably scheduled for, they will very much look like themselves again. So it's cool. almost hard to judge these teams, and now they're going to be in the half off of this. Because, yeah, it was really tough. I mean, the second half alone, going by play-by-play, by play, I want to say the first two full minutes went without a bucket in the second half. And honestly, this could have become... a. a and a lot of that, I actually give some credit to Connecticut's defense. They found a way yeah. to show and be like, and, and be sticky and be disruptive, but they could not get the ball in the basket. In that first few minutes, they were missing like very tricky layups. John Cole Jones missed a very close jumper that probably like a bank shot that she makes 99.9% of the time doesn't fall. They're not able to make things happen. Then out of nowhere, Mercedes Russell had this very insane explosion where she went rebound, cross court score, block rebound. <laughs>
1: like, yeah.
0: And it just, from that moment, it was like, the game's over. Yep. Uh, you, you just kind of felt like this is
1: it. Like, Seattle is officially. That took all the wind out of the sails for the Connecticut Sun. Yeah.
0: The Sun, the Sun are not going to be able to recover even from that. And, and honestly, like, it just, at that moment, things just felt like they were. It was just moving the gears. Yep. And, and, and it all just kind of came down to the fact that they shot well in Seattle. For as much as we want to say they're rusty, they nearly shot 50%. They did okay from the field, but they were really rusty from deep. It just so happened to be that Connecticut was far worse. Right. Seattle was terrible from the line of all things. <laughs> they only shot 58% from the free throw line.
1: Here's the other area that was really disappointing for me. And I get it that this was. After a break. Absolutely. So it's going to be a little off to all over the place. So I'm trying not to be hypercritical, but if the, if the team that won by 22 has 16 turnovers, that's not a good sign for the quality of play during this, during this. Now I, I am not, I'm not trying to take anything away from defense. Okay. Good defense is good defense a lot of those turnovers were not forced by defense on both sides of the uh of the coin here. Connecticut had 20 turnovers themselves mm-hmm. and only 11 assists. They had almost had twice as many turnovers as they do assists. That's the wrong ratio. You want to have a 2 to 1 ratio assist to turnovers, not the other way around. And it was uh it, it was just a rough it was just a rough Watch especially that second half so third quarter dominance by Seattle 22 to 5 is what they outscored the Sun uh, Mm. during that third quarter stretch there and at that point it just they had an 11 point lead going into half and they extend that they extend that lead by 17 in one quarter that just. After that, it just felt like, well, now we're just going through the motions. Let's clear our benches and let everybody get some playing time. And in a game where there's big money on the line, it felt weird to watch almost an entire fourth quarter be controlled by the end of the bench. Mm -hmm. Because you'd think, oh, money's on the line. Like, well, this is, you know... These players got it, but it was so such a blowout that at that point both teams were like, okay, hey, like get everybody else off the bench and get some rest." You know, like I was actually really intrigued when I could tell that Seattle was going to win. I was like, "Oh, Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart are both going at it for this MVP race because Stewie had seventeen, Jem had sixteen. They both had you know uh, a couple of rebounds and and three assists apiece, and it was going back and forth. Like, oh, who's gonna yeah. who's gonna do this?" But they both got taken out so early <laughs> that they yeah. never had a chance to go f- to go for it and see who was going to take that um, MVP home. And so you kind of just went, well, I guess we'll default to Stewie because she kind of did need- the most when the game mattered. You know, oh, well,
0: she also walked out with four steals and three blocks. I think it right. She, she had a very defensively stat yes, line. but yeah,
1: oh, she had a great stat line. But I would have loved to see that that develop a little more because between teammates for five grand, you know what I mean? Like I would love to see more of that.
0: Noel Quinn's got to be looking at the stat sheet and the number that is widening her eyes the most is she didn't have to play anybody more than 30 minutes. She's like, where do I get some more of this? Like where, what (laughs) store do I go to to buy more? Like, this is the package right here.
1: How do I get Magbagor 21 minutes a game? (laughs) Yeah. Like Like,
0: (laughs) I think the spread is like on money with what she would want to do. Right in a perfect scenario. And I, I think as you look at it, that was helpful with, with their stretch of things, because more than anything, I came out of this going like, what's the storm going? What are the storm going to look like over the next couple of weeks? Because I want to say they do they have a five or six game road road trip coming right out of this? Like they don't, they don't see the state of Washington still for some time. And some of these people are nearly fresh off the plane. From Tokyo, I think they'd said on the commentary that Sue Bird was even mentioning, like, she may take a little time, like, she may rest a bit. Yeah. And I totally get it. Of like, you know, but luckily they were able to, I guess, conserve a lot of that. Sue only played 18 minutes tonight, which, by the way, 18 minutes, 10 points, five assists, for goodness sake. Um, yeah. great showing. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's, uh, she's already getting herself primed for 2024. So, um, I'm kidding. That's that's DT who said she was... Anyway. <laughs> um, no, I I think there was a lot that was telling about it. I mean, John Quell came out with a double-double, which was cool. And there was a lot in the second quarter between these teams that was very fun and very interesting. And we got to keep in mind, if Connecticut gets their two first-half buzzer beaters up in time, five-point game at the half.
1: It's a different story.
0: Whole different scenario. They hit two... Half court shots did the first and second quarter that were both late, and if the yeah. <laughs> those managed to go up in time, we may be having a very and, different chat.
1: And Heidemann's was well, it was Heidemann that hit the first one, right? If, if I'm remembering I correctly, so. it was significantly late. Like it was, like uh, it, it wasn't even a question.
0: Oh no, it was that was a that was a she just flipped it up. She flipped that up out of like, oh, it's over.
1: Do that three seconds earlier, you know, like yeah.
0: <laughs> you know the, what I mean. The the other one was definitely late, but it definitely was frustrating because the hard cam didn't even pan to the hoop, so you had to wait until they showed an, a different replay to actually see it go in. But I was like, did that go in? Because everyone's acting like that went in, but it was yeah. definitely it was definitely late. But it was one of those like right. if those happen to go up in time and they still go in, we're looking at a potential five point game, and and we may be having a different chat um because Connecticut obviously they tied things up at 11 early on but there were a couple cases where they were down 11 or 12 and they cut it down to 5 or 6 they were able to find ways to to get themselves competitive again and it just felt like the legs weren't quite there in the third quarter just yeah you know what let's just and i think one thing that speaks heavily for this is it felt like it was getting out of their hands this game doesn't have any Effect or implication on the regular season it doesn't affect statistics. It doesn't affect standings in any way. It's right. this isn't going to change their record by any stretch. And there's a party that is Kurt Miller that might think like, I might just try and not get anyone hurt. Like this is a, I know that my, my team is very talented. If we wanted to fight to close this out, maybe who knows? Cause we have that talent. Mm-hmm. But the last thing I need is for a glorified exhibition game to be what ruins the whole season by getting Bonner yeah. or, or one of the Joneses injured. Yeah. And, exactly. Because we went we've been off five weeks, and if I suddenly am pushing junk to play thirty five minutes, I'd really put a lot of things at risk.
1: One last thing I'll I'll bring up about this uh about this game is I really, 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 really want one of those hats. The hat rules. It rules. <laughs> the, the the hats that Seattle had. It it, it feels like a take on
0: the twenty fifteen-2016 championship hat, the orange one. Yeah. It's got that feel to it. It's it's a wonderful hat. I'm not fully in love with the white title t-shirt, but it's a good design. But the hat plays. Absolutely. The,
1: the, the hat is fantastic. It's very, very good. It's a wonderful so, hat. It's a wonderful yeah, restaurant. So, anyway. <laughs> That's pretty well it. What we've got as far as, as the commissioners cup, uh, we, we could have done a major breakdown if this was a little bit closer or, or more of a game and it just wasn't. But I do, there, there was a question that came in through our mm-hmm. Twitch chat a little bit earlier that I think applies well to this. And this kind of can transition us into the, this last portion of our show here. Yes. As we're going to talk kind of the rest of the season, looking forward. We, we did some mid season awards. We did some mid season grades for each team and each of the awards. So so we won't hit those super heavy, but there's a couple little topics that I think would be good to just cover super quick. Mm -hmm. The first one is kind of has to do with what you were just talking about. It says, even though this game, this comes from our our good friend, any Mo uh, 99 here on, on Twitch. Yeah. Even though this game does not impact stats, how do you think it changes the mindset of Connecticut and also how other teams look at Connecticut? So what are your thoughts on that? What does that, What can this do for Connecticut moving forward in a positive or negative manner? And same with the perception of Connecticut from teams around the league.
0: Well, it's interesting because if I'm Kurt Miller, I almost feel encouraged by this because obviously you want to win. You always want to win. And there was a lot that that was at stake for this game that would have been great for the players, obviously. So you're not trying to lose. But I think Kurt Miller understands as much as anyone. Connecticut is at their best when they're being slept on. And this is a tip. This is a very common thread of the time of the year where it's around about this time post all-star break where the sun tend to dip in their momentum a bit. And then they see usually a bit of a rise right before the end of the season. Like we're almost seeing them on schedule, not this poorly, but, and I almost think in a way expectation wise in general, it's that way because their style of play, their effectiveness, their efficiency, I'm not put off by any of that watching this game. And I only say that because this is a team that had no minutes for five weeks. Once they get their win back under their sails, I see them getting back into the the situation they were in. And John Quell seems very focused. And Bonner seems very focused. This was a team that put a lot of firepower into trying to beat Team USA. So I would expect to see this come together a little better for them. The nervousness that I probably have is if there's one thing that it doesn't matter if you're rusty or you're tired, that is hard to overcome. It's a shooting slump. If they Mm. can't recover and get back into a rhythm from distance, I think it hurts their chances at a potential run. And that's a scary thought for them because I, we've seen that with teams like at some point during a season, they just kind of lose their mojo from deep a little bit. And it just, Kind of messes up their flow. So while them being rusty wasn't the biggest concern to me, 28% from three is a bit scary. Now, if they get their legs back under them and it helps their shooting, we'll see. But great shooting teams know that rhythm is your biggest friend. And is that going to be there? Are they going to lose it? That's where I'm most interested and seeing how it affects them.
1: I had, I had some pretty similar thoughts. I I feel like this Connecticut team still could do some damage. Although if you take this game combined with kind of how they came into the break, uh-huh. I'm, I'm a little more, uh, some, some doubts crept into my mind as far as Connecticut, they started off hot and did not come into the break looking super dominant and and looking like a top three team in the league. I think that Chicago and Minnesota both look better than Connecticut at this point in time. So I feel like maybe some of that mystique and that art of like, Oh man, like this is, this team's legit. Um, could have worn off a little bit with how they came into the break and how this game played out. They, they didn't look great. Um, that being said, I'm not the first person that's ever doubted the Connecticut sun. And uh, so Me saying this probably is a guarantee that they're going to come out on fire and and really dominate the second (laughs) half of the season. (laughs) I think the last game is really the big one. I mean, they got
0: routed by the Liberty to to head into the break, and that was rough. I think there's been some inconsistency, but yeah, I I mean, it's a tough... So there's some tough cases there. They, I think they have a quick blip in Dallas, and then they're home for a stretch. That could really help. And they're significantly better home team. They're 8 and 1 at home. And so their biggest inconsistencies are on the road. I think they feel like they have a chance to get their win back against Dallas and then they're home through basically the end of the month. I think they have a game on the 31st in Washington and then they're on the road. I want to say it's a five game home stand and I think they've got to be pretty happy about. It. And that includes having two like at home series where they play Minnesota twice and the Sparks twice. So it gives them a chance to regroup. For some of those matchups, because those are all on the the three. They play Minnesota, Vegas and the Sparks uh, on their homestand. So, you know, those first three games at home are scary, but hopefully they have a regrouping against Minnesota. So I think they feel good about that setup um, and they play really well in Connecticut. But
1: if if they can, if they can survive and win, if they can win two of those next four games I, I think they're gonna be okay because they have the Sparks and the Mystics in Dallas again and then Sparks again. They've got a lot more manageable stretch of games after these next four coming right out of the break. Oh, and and just a just a clarification, I it, they they did beat the Liberty on their last game, but they did lose to Indiana oh, third. No, you're right.
0: You're I good. looked at the score wrong. Um, yeah. So but no, it was I just read the score they, wrong.
1: they lost to Indiana to head into a break. And if okay, you're so a top team, yeah. You know what though? But <laughs> Now that
0: I look at it, I go, they, they won their last two then. I, I'm actually not, I don't know. It, yeah. It's an interesting take. That's a road win for uh, against Liberty too. So that's better than I thought. I look at that incorrectly. Right. That's on Steve. But I will say, like you said, two out of five. I think three out of five is sort of needed in that homestand mm-hmm. to start. Because at that point, you're really winding down. And that's, I, you need three out of five out of those to for me to feel, do you have any playoff contention? Because, I think it, that means you steal one against the Lynx, at least one. The Aces mm-hmm. game is a toss-up, and you've got to beat the Sparks twice. I, like If you lose either of those home games to the Sparks, that's a problem. Yeah.
1: No, I, th- I think you for sure need to beat the Sparks. I was talking about the first four, four games back, so including that Dallas game. So if you can beat Dallas. Yeah. That, and that Dallas game, I have no clue with that one. I really don't know what direction that's going.
0: These are probably like two of the biggest question mark teams right now. Yeah. Is where Connecticut and
1: Dallas. And it's funny because Dallas is just out, just outside of the playoffs and Connecticut's just outside of a double buy scenario. And yet both of those teams on any given night could win or lose against anyone. Yeah. And that's what's, they, they both, the consistency of those two teams is, is really up in the air. And yet they're in very different positions on, on the season. Yeah. So uh, that's a fantastic question though. Coming out. Uh, appreciate that. Any, any uh, Mo uh, for hitting us up with that question there. Um, there's a couple other questions here on, on Twitter that I wanted to give a quick shout out to. We, we did a little bit of a, a mention on this, but I, I guess we could make it a pretty concrete call here. So the the question comes from our, our good friend Anila at W Hoops blogger. What teams will sneak into the playoffs? And I guess the best way to answer this is probably who do you have missing the playoffs? Because that would probably answer who sneaks into the playoffs. But I'm, I'm curious, Steve, at this point in time, based on what we've seen up to this, this point in the season and looking at the standings, who do you have missing the playoffs this year? Who do you have in your nine through 12? It, it doesn't have to be in order, but just what teams would be in that group?
0: Really? Cause really you're looking at the six through nine. There's kind of four teams mm-hmm. that are all within a game of each other. I think the sky will do enough to separate themselves at the five and, and, and whatnot. But if I had to pick a, a team right now that I feel least confident about in terms of, their ability to maintain themselves. It's probably New York, to be honest. I just, mm. I, I, what we've seen out of them so far is a heavy amount of promise. And they're definitely in the wings to become one of the next great, you know, solid competitive teams in the league, but they're currently sitting at six at 10 and 11. And that means you're two to three losses away from being bumped out the way that it's set. And that's how it feels right now. I think Griner, Brittany Griner could be the player who stood to gain the most momentum from the Olympics, especially in the medal round where she played phenomenally. So I see Phoenix having some mojo. I think Skylar Diggins-Smith uh, has been a good energizer for them. And I see them improving really well. The Mystics are a real wild card because we don't know what the Deladon situation quite is yet. It sounds like she's practicing with the team. It she'll be a game, like a game decision potentially for Sunday, but potentially later than that. So we don't know how that's going to look. But then again, where's Tina Charles going to come from there? And I just feel like the wings are going to do enough to get to slide in. I feel like they'll, they'll do just enough to find their spot. And that kind of bumps the Liberty. I just don't feel their momentum quite there anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a few key players that you need to see a little bit more out of before you can really call it on them. So that's probably where I would take it. That said, the if I had to order the six through nine, I just I couldn't do it. I really have no idea yeah. how that's gonna pan out. I feel like Washington's <laughs> gonna be I feel like Washington's snug in the eight spot potentially. But I just see in if you have if, if Elena Deladon comes in and plays the last six games just fire and brimstone, going hell for leather and you know being who she is who the heck knows Washington?
1: Yeah, Washington could jump up to five for all we know. Yeah, it's crazy. As it stands right now, if I am assuming DelaDon doesn't come back, which I don't, I don't know, I don't have insider info. We know she's actually could be practicing and, and maybe back within a couple of weeks. So, for me right now, I think that I I, I think D- Dallas and New York squeak in. I think Phoenix is in. I actually really like Phoenix's back half of the season. Mm-hmm. Washington has a, has a pretty difficult back half of this season. They come out of the break. They play Las Vegas twice, then Phoenix, then Seattle. And if you go down their actual, all the remaining games that they have, they only have two games out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 10, 11, 12, 13 out of 14 games. They only have two of those against a bottom three team in the league. Mm -hmm. And the majority of these are against the top four or five teams, like the vast majority. So their strength of schedule is really, really difficult on this back half playing pretty much everybody. They played Las Vegas twice, Seattle twice, Minnesota twice, Connecticut and Chicago. They're, they are, are really going to go through a pretty strong gauntlet Mm -hmm. Uh, in this back half. And so on that premise alone, I would say that Washington having only being half a game out of missing the playoffs right now is probably my pick to to drop out and have Dallas pop up. And that's kind of where I'm seeing things is that my four out are probably Washington, LA, Atlanta, Indiana. If Deladon comes back, I see that changing. Liberty is another team that I, I think could definitely easily drop two.
0: What's funny, there's an easy way to predict that Deladon's return this late the season makes it worse.
1: Because Yeah, maybe take some away from Charles and Heinz Allen and Exactly.
0: Yeah. You're immediately gonna those touches have to be taken away from Charles really for that to work. So how does that shift things? Right. Is Deladon even willing to take on a secondary role at least until the playoffs start? It or, you know or play minimal minutes and then hit the bench for a while like we sort of saw this in the <laughs> this is me going way back I, the the comments back in ninety seven this happened with swoops where she came back for like the last five games of the regular season and kind of messed it up yeah and it kind of threw things out of whack but her minutes were minimal so it didn't throw them too out of whack she was able to contribute to a point in the playoffs but they had their core there and, and and Washington has a core to maintain themselves I think the game to be most interested. That September seventeenth game, Washington, New York might be like an eight seed clincher because they both have very similar schedules leading up to that night. That's New York's closer, and then Washington has Minnesota after that. But I think that might be the night that officially like says here's here's the playoff run, here's the order, here's who's coming in, and could very well determine it. So I, I feel like those are the two teams that, like you said, like they almost stand to they've got to find a way to prove themselves in these early games back and before we have to you know make a determinant on who they are whereas i look at dallas i feel like they'll do just enough to click themselves in i think phoenix right now thinks they're they may not be playing hard too hard for a 4 seed but they may be in the running uh phoenix sorry may be in the running to at least have a home game in that opening round like, maybe yeah. if we put it in correctly, we can catch the five. I don't see them bumping out too far. It'll be interesting. It's it's just a, a really, you know, fun, you know. And then, of course, <laughs> you know, when the fever go 13-0 to end the year, and we're all red in the face, like, who knows? That was just <laughs> show, showing out some love for Logan. <laughs> loving, we
1: got to love on the fever a little bit. Yeah. Right now, they have, let's see, the second longest winning streak in the league. Behind only Minnesota three. So, Hey, three baby, Minnesota's got seven in a row. Indiana's got three. So, <laughs> so watch out
0: unless you have any other questions. I just had, like, I wanted to do one thing, but I
1: No, the, the, the most of the other questions that we've pretty well addressed in our other, mm-hmm. in our other episodes, a quick mention to, there was another uh, Andrew Willett asked us about MVP favorites and candidates. We did address that pretty se- If you want to go back and listen mid season awards, is one that we discussed pretty heavily this, this whole discussion. But right now, uh, what you need to know, Andrew, dark horse MVP candidates, there's not many dark horse, but there's probably five pretty solid contenders at this point. There's one or two favorites, but there's five who really on the back half of this season still are very much in the discussion. So that's what you need to know. And that would be Bree Stewart, Jonquil Jones, Asia Wilson. Tina Charles and Brittany Griner are all having really, really good seasons. And I think a lot will come down to what happens and and where they can end up over this next stretch of games. Because statistically, they're all very, very similar and all within striking distance.
0: Yeah, I mean, the honest answer to me is this will come down to Stewie versus Asia, probably when all is said and done. Um, Mm -hmm. John Quill's playing well, I just don't know if it's clicking quite at that discussion level that said if Tina Charles is still averaging over 25 points a game and Washington makes the playoffs in a fairly comfortable position it's at least worth entering the chat
1: I I think all five have a pretty solid discussion I might go right now after tonight I think that my uh, I I definitely lean Brie over over John Quill but going into the break I, I probably had I I really liked John Quell. That was...
0: If I had to pick one dark, dark horse, like, we probably won't bring this name up ever again, but it's a dark, dark horse. If a certain team continues on the momentum they're looking and it improves their status even further, I'm willing to bring up Collier's name. Very willing to do that. Possibly even Sill's name, like Sill. I I could see Sill if Minnesota stays as hot as they look right now. I think there's something there. And it could be just because Fees is there. Fees their their leading scorer, but I think Sill's been mm. Sill right now is the out and probably the out and out defensive player of the year. That's not a question in my head. But I that's that's like if I had to pick like the dark dark horse like you have to pick someone that isn't these five players. That's probably where I could go. But I think this is going to be very similar to what we've had the last couple of years, which is going to end up being Asia versus Stewie when all said and done <laughs> just kind of felt yeah. like that was the narrative and that's probably what it's going to be.
1: So you, you mentioned you had one other thing you wanted to do before yeah. we, we rolled out the end of the episode, really basic
0: Christmas in August is the Sunday, August 15th. Every single team is going to be playing. We've got six games. Woo! Starting at four Eastern, uh, one o'clock Pacific, ending at nine Eastern, six o'clock Pacific. I'm just thinking lightning round, rapid fire, Kyle. let I'm going to call it matchups. You tell me who you think's going to win. I'll tell you who I think's going to win, and we Ooh, just okay. we just lightning round this to call it a day. I'm a, I I like this, so I'll I can go down the gauntlet. Okay. So we're kicking it off big time. We've got the storm in Chicago against the sky on ABC four o'clock Eastern big matchup. I want to say Candace is going to be ready to go in tow. We just watched the Ch- the commissioners cup champs. Who's taking home that
1: W. Ooh, this is a tough one. I'm going to say Chicago though. I'm actually going to call Chicago on the upside. Even as good as Seattle looked, I could see Seattle allowing a couple of their players, some rest. They Boom. came back, wanted to get the money. I could see, I could see them doing that. So I'll, I think it's a close game either way on the off chance. Seattle rests Sue or Bree. I'm going to go Chicago.
0: I don't expect Sue to play. I would expect Stewie at most to play limited minutes. I think Chicago really wants this. I think they're going to have a really good home crowd. I think Chicago wins playing at the same time on ESPN three. We've got the runner up in the commissioner's cup, Connecticut sun and the Dallas wings. They're in Arlington. I don't know if Jason's going to be there, but who knows? So you've got Connecticut. You've got Dallas. Who's winning?
1: Ooh, I'm going Connecticut, but this is probably the hardest pick of all of these games because of what we said earlier. They both are very inconsistent, but they're in very different spots. I think Connecticut comes back with a vengeance on mind and wants to show everybody tonight was a fluke.
0: Just, I, I'm so torn on this that I'm just going to be fun and say Dallas <laughs> on this. And I, I I have a hard way of kind of going one way or the other. But the one thing I'll say is the The shooting performance from Connecticut was worrisome. I wonder if they need another line of games to get out of that funk. Obviously, Dallas also is in that bit of a lapse. That said, um, the one play to wa- the player I, I'm ready to watch here, I'm excited to see if Alicia Gray goes all out uh, on this one. She showed herself out hmm. big time three x three, and I could Ooh. see a confident, uh, swaggerly yes. Gray uh, coming out big for that uh, for the return game. Let's head to hours. If you're a MyLVTV or a monumental subscriber, depending on if you have regional <laughs> uh, cable packages, Mystics Aces. This is a very, if you've got two of the best players in the league, two MVP candidates running in this. How do you see this one playing out?
1: I got this for sure. Las Vegas, they're playing at home. I actually think uh, I'm, this is one that I'm probably the most confident in. I like, I like Las Vegas in this matchup quite a bit.
0: Absolutely. I, there are very few aces games that I won't pick Vegas from this point on. Um, my one question about Vegas, the rest of the way is, is what the situation be dynamic wise for Cambridge. Right. Given everything that went out pre Olympics. But if that pounds itself out, well, Vegas is a pretty well oiled machine. I see it going pretty well for them.
1: If I'm a Vegas fan, I like having Liz on the floor. I'm also okay. If she's not because Asia can do it without Liz too. I mean, she
0: took him to the finals last year. It's very possible. We got the Dream and the Mercury at the same time. CBS Sports Network: The Dreamer going through, let's just say a lot right now. They're there. This is the debut of their <laughs> third coach on the season. The Mercury have shown themselves to be playing pretty well and are looking to cement their spot in the playoffs. Uh, you got Atlanta. You got Phoenix. Who you calling here?
1: Um, I don't know if I'll be picking Atlanta in any matchup until they really give me a reason to otherwise. So I got to go Phoenix here.
0: Yeah, I they're at the Footprint Center in Phoenix. It's Yeah, exactly the same. This feels like an easy win for them. Now to what might be my favorite of all the matchups. There's a lot of good ones, but we've got Liberty, Lynx. Lynx are red hot. The Liberty need a good win to really prove themselves. If they could find a way to win this game, that's a momentum setter for them to to keep themselves in the playoff. Uh, To to keep their positioning in the playoffs that said the links are I think I can say this the hottest team in the league right now. So where are you going with this one?
1: I'm going to say the links, but it will occur either by one possession or in overtime. Yeah, it will be it will be down to the wire. One possession game or an overtime game. I got links pulling this one out though. We've agreed too much. So why the hell not give me the liberty
0: in this one? <laughs> no one's talked about but Nigel in a little bit of time. So let's see if she goes all out. I, I think they, you know, there's a lot going on here. You got Sammy Wickham fresh off of a, a decently impressive three point contest showing. So let's, let's see how the liberty go. Now we finish things off nine PM. Oh, by the way, that game liberty links is on Facebook. So head over there, or the Yes Network, yeah. I guess if you're a New Yorker. Uh, we're gonna head over to Spectrum Sports Net and WNBA.com. The nightcap, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, which is why they go Mountain Time. 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The <laughs> battle of the non All Stars. It's the Fever and the Sparks. They play basketball. Who? How's it gonna go?
1: Steve, I have a <laughs> fever. <laughs> And the only prescription is more Indiana wins, and I'm taking Indiana the entire way. I I think that uh, L.A. looks significantly worse than Indiana over the stretch heading into the break. Indiana's on a winning streak. L.A. hasn't won in what seems like months. So I got to take the fever in this one.
0: That's an interesting take. I'd have to look at the Sparks schedule to even get a feel for that.
1: I'm an LA kid. I'm technically a Sparks
0: fan. I have the jersey. The jersey looks great. That said, and I grew up a big Laker fan, and so the, it's going to sound weird where I'm on a personal quest to get Derek Fisher fired. So I hope the fever take this one out, <laughs> and I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> so I liked it. and and we try out some new blood. <laughs> That's, some people are like <laughs> Steve, you're an idiot. And I'm like, eh, I just think it's time. Yeah, this one's so up in the air because it's just, I. when's the last time we've seen any of these people play basketball? But I I, I wonder if this is, it's time for T.R. McCown to, to finally get a, a couple of minutes on the floor and set a tone for yeah. them. It's a nightcap game. This just feels like it's going to head their direction. So I'm going to go with the fever on this one as well love it. Uh, I'm glad you did that. I hate I hate outing the fever. I definitely hate outing the Sparks, but it's just been a rough go for them. <laughs> and they've just got there's a lot of time left in the tank for them to to make it happen. But there's your there's your opening night six games. We're going to see every single team match up. Uh, on on Sunday. It's going to be awesome.
1: I'm so excited. We'll be live tweeting a lot of that. We'll be maybe potentially doing a watch-along. No promises, though. If you're curious about a watch-along, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitch. You'll get notified uh, about us doing a watch-along on any of those games at all. But yeah, what a fun... Slate of games to get things kicked back off. I'm really, really excited. Absolutely. Steve, this was a fun episode. I'm glad to talk about things that are happening yes. in the here and in the now again after the break. I'm pumped to get right back into the swing of things and have some, uh, some regular content coming out about, you know, things that are happening right now. Thanks for hopping on with me. If there's nothing else that you've got, I think I, I think I've covered everything I need to tonight. Yeah. I
0: just, you may, I don't know if you were doing this or not, but. I like the you know, I like the subconscious letters to Cleo reference there. You draw here <laughs> and now really solidly, and I was just like I like. It. Let's do this. Just living on a Sunday morning, got my toast and tea and a warm. <laughs> it's just a great letters to Cleo song. Anyway, that was random. No, I'm just stoked to be back. I'm excited to be talking W again. We have a lot to obviously be excited about. We're not very far from playoff. You know, playoff discussions. The college game is is creeping up. Well, and before long, I mean, this is just a red hot time to to really be diving deep into women's basketball. If you're new to the sport. If you're new to the league, this is a just a perfect time to get all up and into it. Hopefully as the season winds down we'll start to gear into our third installment of W history. Have it fully determined how what direction we're going to take it, but if Ooh. you've got some solid ideas for directions to take it, please reach out. I would love to hear angles, you know, player perspectives, team perspectives, specific events Specific angles, you know, anything that we can dive into. We had a lot of fun with our first two series with uh, the Houston Comets uh, with Candace Parker's rookie season. And so we're, we're excited to take it in a direction. I had a direction in place, but I'm probably going to have to just switch things up, because unfortunately, sometimes it's hard to find enough coverage to to really tell these stories, but we do want to continue to tell these stories. So if you do have any good W history thoughts, send them our way. We're, we're an open door. So
1: open book. Absolutely. Or book,
0: whatever. We're open.
1: Just, we're open. We love hearing <laughs> from you. You're,
0: it, it's good to hear from you. It's good to know you're doing well. Good to know you're safe.
1: So. <laughs> well uh, thanks again everybody for listening thanks again to our twitch family for hanging out tonight and, and hitting us up as we record this episode but for wnba nation i'm kyle haywood i'm steve Schwartzman. and we got you next time